there we go. I'm going to start by first just talking about, you know, the problem that OFDMA solves. One of the things that um, has, has been a, an ongoing problem with Wi-Fi um, in its whole history has been that as each new Fi is released, each new generation of Wi-Fi, 802.11b, G, and AC, <clears throat> we've gotten faster data rates, uh, which has made those you know, marketing numbers on the sides of the AP boxes really high. We went from one megabit per, se per second, now up into tens of gigabits per second, theoretically, over the air with data rates. <clears throat> And we've, when we're doing that, what we're actually doing is um, optimizing the uh, throughput that's possible to deliver to one client from an AP. But, but what hasn't happened is we haven't really actually been able to increase the amount of uh, packets that we can deliver very substantially in, in a limited amount of airtime. So just, just to kind of make that point here, we're looking at um, an example from um, actually a friend of Seven Signal Year Month, um, and I'll put the link to his airtime calculator uh, where you can play with this and generate your own examples in the chat. Uh, but this shows um, the amount of airtime it takes to send two frames. Right. They both have a 300-byte payload, which is pretty common for, for uh, Wi-Fi packets. Two spatial streams, normal guard interval, 20 megahertz channel, and, and 12 megabit uh, minimum basic rate. So you know, pretty typical conditions here. And they're just sending one packet, so no RTS-CTS protection necessary. And at MCS0, which is really you know, the, the slowest uh, 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 most clients will go, the transmitting that frame takes 247 microseconds. Uh, but if we were at MCS9, the fastest speed available to um, an 802.11ac device, we would still, it still requires 227 microseconds. We've only shaved off 20 microseconds. Um, so how is that, why is that? Well, the, the issue is with the channel access protocol and all the backwards compatibility and legacy baggage that Wi-Fi has accumulated over the years. If we look at the first two fields here, and uh, why is my, Screen keeps going black. Um, the diffs in the CW, it's actually probably an AIFS. That's just dead air where we're winning channel access. Then we've got the um, uh, legacy preamble and then the, the phi header and then the AMPDU. And the AMPDU is actually the only part of this whole uh, process that benefits from that higher data rate. That's the part that actually shrinks a little bit in the airtime consumption when we go to MCS9. So the point I wanna make is the actual number of packets that we can put through the air 
hasn't really changed significantly um, throughout the the you know twenty plus year history of Wi-Fi, and this isn't so much of a problem with consumer stuff um, or you know low density networks because again we're talking about uh, microseconds here, right? So big deal if it's uh, a little bit wasteful in airtime. Uh, but it is a problem with very high density, very busy clients um, with a lot of small packets to deliver. And a lot, you know, often, you know, studies have been done that have shown that most, you know, the, the large majority of the, of the uh, packets that are sent back and forth in Wi-Fi networks are small packets. We can think of, you know, DNS requests, extremely small. ARP traffic, DHCP, um, you know, even web browser, you know, application traffic like web browsing and email, messaging, notifications, voice, it's all very small packets. Sometimes video streams even use somewhat small packets, right? If there's a lot of compression. Um, so we haven't really improved our handling of those very, very small packets that much. And that's what OFDMA um, helps with. So um, here we've got a, a graph that shows OFDM, which is how everything has been modulated since 802.11a, um, how that compares to OFDMA, which is new for 802.11ax. Um, with OFDM, right, one user, uh, an AP or client, transmits at a time. Um, and, uh, and, and owns that whole channel. Nobody else can use it while they're using it. Even if they're just sending a really small packet, like an, an ARP uh, packet, they're the only user and they use the whole channel. Even if it's an 80 megahertz channel, they use it all for that teeny tiny packet. And we go through this whole uh, channel access procedure again uh, to get that packet across. So it's wasteful um, from an efficiency perspective. And, and that's where OFDMA comes in. Um, this is really what, what made, uh, you know, puts what the main feature behind naming 802.11ax um, high efficiency. It's the high efficiency amendment to 802.11. And OFDMA is the primary means that we increase efficiency. So, what we can do with OFDMA is instead of sharing or instead of allowing a single user to dominate the whole channel, one channel, uh, uh, one user at a time, we can divide up the channel, right? If we're just sending an ARP packet, we don't need 80 megahertz. And if there's a bunch of clients that all want to send ARP packets, well, let's let them all do it all at the same time and just subdivide that channel. And so that subdivision creates these resource units um, that are uh, assigned to each user. So this is really a huge change. OFDMA is, is pretty amazing. It's very, you know, it's also a very proven technology. This is uh, and also, you know, a couple decades old. WiMAX used it, LTE, 5G 
it's really at the bedrock of those cellular technologies. And it's how they're able to, you know, have thousands of phones connected to a single tower and orchestrate all the, the traffic with, with the very limited spectrum they have access to. So it makes sense for us to adopt this in Wi-Fi and help solve that problem of uh, spectrum inefficiency. Um, and, and the way that, you know, one of the other things that's unique here is that um, OFDMA is scheduled channel access. So with OFDM, we use EDCA, we use those distri that distributed random access channel, ac uh, uh, channel access procedure for each station, the APs and the clients use the same contention rules and, and emerging from that uh, is this order where um, the channel is shared without it being centrally managed. With OFDMA, now it's centrally managed. The access point is scheduling all of this traffic, but it's telling the clients when they transmit into what resource units they transmit um, and, and when it's going to transmit simultaneous downlink frames, um, to clients as well, and how that's going to go. It's all under the control over the, of the AP. Um, and it has to, the scheduler is, is the software the AP uses to make those decisions. And it has to take into account, um, the, the size of its buffer what it knows about client buffers, channel conditions, um, access categories of frames, uh, and a lot, a lot more. One of the other benefits though of OFDMA <clears throat> is that we, you know, we're doing uh, that channel access protocol less often. If, if clients are transmitting simultaneously during one period of OFDMA, then there's the AP has to win channel access for that to happen once instead of each of those clients having to win channel access individually. Um, so there was a lot of excitement about OFDMA when it came along, but you know there's a, a lot of complexity involved in it too. And and you know one of the ways to think think about it is the AP has to answer this eternal question that comes to us from Shakespeare. He says, to schedule or not to schedule? That is the question. So in ADA to 11 ax we still have all the legacy channel access um, uh, procedures available to us. And we can still transmit to one, uh, we can still use EDCA for distributed channel access and, and one client or AP can transmit at a time. And so we call that single user mode, right? So um, OFDMA is, is multi-user mode um, or you know, when scheduling occurs. And single user mode is when we're, nope, we're just going back to the uh, uh, distributed random access where one station wins the channel at a time. So the first question that the AP has to answer before OFDMA ever even happens is, should I schedule the channel access or not? And actually, should I use OFDMA or multi-user MIMO for that? So a lot of times, and you know, the, the answer is actually 
uh, it's maybe not the best time to, to, to schedule channel access right now. Um, and actually those answers are, are pretty unintuitive. So, you know, I, and I think this is one of the reasons why there's a, there was a little bit of, uh, of a letdown when we started looking at some of the, uh, the 802.11ax products out there and, and didn't see a lot of OFDMA. I think, you know, the marketing was out ahead of, of what was actually uh, realistic in, in terms of uh, the frequency at which we'd see OFDMA. Uh, because a lot of times it just doesn't make sense to use it. Um, and so, you know, some of the reasons that we don't see OFDMA very often today. Um, first is we're using um, spectrum that's shared with legacy clients, an access point operating in 2.4 or 5 gigahertz probably has a lot of clients that are 802.11n or AC uh, connected to it. And they have to compete, those access points have to compete with those clients for channel access. And when the AP wins channel access, that's when scheduling and OFDMA can occur. So if it's competing with clients on an equal footing, um, then the possibility of scheduled access is lower. Of course, legacy clients can't participate in scheduled access. So when that decision-making happens, um, the AP has to factor in, well, maybe only 10% of my associated clients are 11AX. So if I'm gonna schedule, I can only do it for three or four of them. Uh, well, that's just not even worth it because I'm already in single user mode with these other clients. So forget it for now. Um, you know, related to that, the reason, one of the, one of the um, triggers for scheduled access is having a lot of buffered data. If only a single frame is, you know, a single packet is getting to that AP radio then the, the question of um, should we schedule anything is kind of moot. Just empty that buffer and transmit that frame in single user mode and, and get on with it. So we need to have buffered data, you know, building up at the AP for downlink and, and building up at clients for uplink OFDMA. And of course, only 11AX clients, um, only the traffic to and from them is going to be considered when it's buffered for scheduling. You know, Wi-Fi is really fast in single user mode. So if, if we don't have a lot of connected clients, like I, I talked about at the beginning, um, just a couple clients or just one client, we can deliver a huge amount of throughput to them. And there's no need to, to get fancy with scheduling. Um, and then you know, single user mode has had some efficiency gains that we'll talk about um, uh, in a couple minutes here. That uh, thanks to frame aggregation, that actually make it pretty efficient um, uh, from that perspective uh, when we don't have a lot of connected clients. Um, the other, you know, another reason why we will, we will see we we've seen less OFDMA. Um, is if we have a really good Wi-Fi design, 
we followed a lot of the best practices for Wi-Fi design. One of the outcomes from that is that we've actually optimized channel access. If you think about you know, removing and limiting co-channel interference, well, that means there's fewer uh, clients and APs on the channel and the likelihood that when they need channel access, um, they'll get it is higher, which means buffers are, are emptier and there's less need for channel act for scheduled uh, OFDMA. Um, it, you actually need some congestion um, for OFDMA to, to make sense. And that's, you know, a, not as often a property of well-designed networks. And then maybe, you know, pessimistically, maybe the scheduling software and the protocol aren't fully baked. You know, maybe what was released and on day one with 802.11ax products, you know, wasn't ready for prime time and the scheduling, you know, it's, it's taken time and it needs even more time for the chipset vendors to, uh, uh, you know, improve their scheduling algorithms and, um, you know, uh, you know, Perhaps it's it's hard to say, right? That's a, a black box. The, the scheduling software is is actually uh, proprietary, so the um, the standard data to eleven standard doesn't dictate how a, a scheduler makes decisions. It just says here are the tools a scheduler can use. Um, so I want to talk through an example, and actually uh, this is where we'll bring up that poll. Uh, Heather, if if you don't mind, but I want to just just uh, you know get a pulse from the audience on on this question of scheduling. So hopefully everybody can see the the trivia question. But the the question is, what mode of operation will consume the least airtime in this scenario? So less airtime means more efficient. So say we have a four spatial stream. 11AX AP and it has eight connected clients and it needs to send each of them 80 kilobytes. So that's a lot of buffered data. That's over uh, half a megabyte uh, just sitting in its buffer. It needs to clear. And they're all AX, right? And they're all two spatial streams. They have a good connection, good SNR. And then the AP is using a 20 megahertz channel width. So what should the AP do? What's going to use the least amount of airtime? Is it OFDMA? Is it multi-user MIMO? Or is it just unscheduled single-user um, uh, transmissions? Starting to roll in now. I was getting a little nervous at first, but I think uh, I think this one got everyone engaged. Yeah, I think people wanted to hear if I was going to give some more clues. <laughs> <clears throat> This is a good one. All right, I'm going to close this bad boy out in three, two, one. So there right. we have Yep, so there we have it. Uh, the majority opinion was OFDMA would be the best choice. That's what my gut told me too. Of course it's OFDMA. We've got a lot of buffered traffic. It's pure 802.11ax. Uh, and and there's eight clients. That's eight active clients is actually a fairly high number of active clients to be actually transmitting or needing to receive at the same 
uh, microsecond in time? Well, you know, I, I put this question um, up because it, it's interesting because the, the real answer is actually single user mode, right? So <laughs> it's the least popular answer. And it, most of us would say this, this is exactly the scenario that we got OFDMA for, but we would be wrong. We would consume less airtime uh, in the scenario where the AP used single user mode. Um, so that comes, that example is, is actually from this book uh, uh, I'm showing here, uh, Wi-Fi 6 Protocol and Network by the, the two gentlemen there. And if, if you really want to see the math and details uh, and other examples, um, that is a, a, a really good read that helps uh, illuminate when scheduling does and doesn't make sense and why that is. So interesting book. I will, uh, I'll actually drop this link to the book in the chat as well. Okay, so we all got that wrong, including me, but that's no surprise because it's actually a very hard thing to, uh, to know. One of the things I mentioned though is in single user mode, we do have some efficiencies built in like frame aggregation, which, which got really, we got really serious about in 802.11ac. Every data frame sent in single user mode is actually sent in this aggregated frame format, AMPDU. And if there's a client that, that has a lot of, um, needs a lot of data or needs to send a lot of data, we can use this aggregation method so that we only go through the channel access um, procedure once. The, in this case, this is downlink from the AP. The AP wins channel access and then it, it gets a, a, a TX op, which can be quite long, over a millisecond in some cases, and it just sends frames one after another, aggregated with nothing in between on the downlink until it's either used up the, the whole, uh, the maximum amount of time it can, or it's emptied its, its buffer to the client. So that's, you know, that's one reason why single user mode is, is a good choice in many cases. Um, and, uh, you know, I'll talk about, you know, how we can, um, you know, increase uh, uh, scheduling going forward. Cause I do think, um, this is going to happen. I think we will see more OFDMA. And I think the, you know, most obvious place that we will, will be six gigahertz, you know, six gigahertz benefits from having no legacy FIs, no previous generations of Wi-Fi, So no other clients, uh, legacy clients competing, uh, to win, to win channel access with the AP. And so the AP can dominate channel access in six gigahertz. I'll explain how that can happen since all the other, all the clients it's dealing with are 11 AX. Also, you know, the, when, when the AP is making that decision about scheduling, all the traffic that it's looking at now in six gigahertz can be subject to scheduling. So it's not just a, a fraction of the traffic um, it's dealing with, but all the traffic um, in its buffer and in the client's buffers um, can be scheduled. 
We'll also use wider channels. 80 megahertz is, is going to be the default channel width uh, and deployed channel width um, in many enterprise networks. Uh, and that has uh, benefits as well. That means more um, simultaneous clients can be scheduled at once. Um, and eventually we'll even be able to go up to 320 megahertz channel widths with, with 8.11BE. Um, <laughs> that's, that's another story. Uh, so even in the legacy bands, you know, uh, in, the increased deployment of, of 11AX clients means, you know, the greater proportion of 11AX means, you know, the, the scheduler has more traffic that it can consider when it's deciding to schedule or not and use OFDMA. Um, and then, you know, the multi-user EDCA parameters and uh, being able to tune those, which would be really wonderful, um, uh, can, can affect how often scheduling occurs. And I'll get into the details of that. But I mentioned that wider channels allow more um, users to be scheduled at once. You know, if we're, and I think this, um, you know, uh, may have played into that scenario. You may have noticed it was 20 megahertz channel width, which is a common channel width in 2.4 and 5 gigahertz to use in the enterprise. But that limits, um, uh, you know, how, uh, how, you know, how much spectrum is available um, for OFDMA and the number of users, although we could still do nine at a time in a 20 megahertz channel. But in six gigahertz, where we'll have, again, 80 megahertz uh, channel widths uh, predominantly, now the scheduler can, can schedule 37, um, up to 37 clients at a time. So it's, you know, most of the time, all the clients can be scheduled at, in the same period of OFDMA, you know, if there's less than 37. Um, and if there are, you know, um, say half that number, well, they can get twice, you know, RUs that are twice the size uh, and still use all the spectrum really well. So that's going to impact the scheduler's decision-making. Um, so multi-user EDCA, uh, we don't need to, uh, we don't need to, you know, get into all the details of, of what I'm showing on this slide, but um, this is this is just a look at the uplink OFDMA channel access procedure, uh, and I did describe the details of this in my uh, WLPC talk. Um, but one of the things that happens with uplink um, OFDMA uh, that's unique to um, eight to eleven AX clients is that after they're scheduled, um, once they've been scheduled once for uplink OFDMA, now they have to abide by a different set of EDGA parameters. You know, we've got those WMM EDGA parameters that tell us um, the size of the contention window and the um, uh, interframe spacing uh, for the different QoS access categories. Um, well, 
once a, a client's been scheduled, now it's actually using a different set of multi-user uh, EDCA parameters. And uh, here's an example of one showing that the, these EDCA parameters are, uh, you know, require a longer contention window in AIFS than the normal ones, the WMM parameters. Now only 11AX clients uh, will use these, but what this, what this is doing, what this is doing is saying, well, yeah, you can still contend for the channel and win channel access as a client, but you're going to take, you know, your, your statistical likelihood is of winning channel access is now reduced, but the access points likelihood of winning channel access has not been reduced. So this is a way of getting clients to sort of get forced into scheduled um, channel access because the AP should be winning channel access a lot more often with enough clients falling under these rules. And then OFDMA can just kind of cascade on and on and on um, as the scheduler, you know, addresses the, you know, emptying the buffers of the uh, connected clients. And that's the hope. So this, this is an interesting feature it, and it's, um, it's, uh, it's got a, a timer. So if uh, the client isn't scheduled and before that timer expires, um, then it's, uh, it goes back to the normal WMM parameters. Um, so if the scheduler is neglecting a client, it, it, it does have an out here. It can also use a, uh, um, operating mode indication frame to just say, count me out from up uplink uh, scheduling. Uh, but, you know, I don't, I don't know if that's always, if that's, if that would be a wise thing to do. The other capability of the multi-user EDCA parameter set is it, we can actually set, if we set the AIFSN to zero, um, that tells clients that for that access category, they're just barred from uh, uh, contending for the channel using you know, the single user channel access procedure um, until that timer expires. They can only be scheduled for that, um, uh, for that access category until that timer expires. And as every time they get scheduled, the timer resets. So if you think about this, think about six gigahertz where we've got a pure 11AX environment. We're gonna use wider channels, which gives the scheduler more flexibility. Uh, we can get aggressive with these multi-user EDCA parameters. And um, you know, if, if we can, if, if, if a uh, Wi-Fi network has very high density of clients and they're very busy, then I think scheduled access is going to be quite common in those um, scenarios. Um, one thing I'll note though, I, you, as far as I'm aware, none of the AP vendors let us change these multi-user EDCA parameters. They're just what they are out of the box. Um, unlike the WMM parameters where we can often tune those for our, our needs. So it'd be wonderful if any AP vendors are listening out there um, to, to give us the, the tools to uh, 
especially uh, like the AI FSN, uh, we'd love to be able to toggle that to zero or not, depending on the, the design goals of the network. Okay, I think, I think that about wraps it up, uh, Heather, and maybe we have some time for some Q&A. We've got some good questions. Yes, indeed. All right, let's start at the top. So Rick asks, can you talk about Wireshark? Can, how Wireshark can be used to be able to see into the individual RU streams? We need to be able to verify OFDMA is working correctly. Yeah, good question, Rick. So Wireshark, of course, can, can read um, uh, anything that you give it. It, it can see, um, you know, it'll, it'll uh, decode whatever you see. The challenges on the capturing hardware, can we actually capture a full OFDMA transmission and see each of the RUs? And the answer is no, not with, uh, you know, the hardware we have today. There might be specialized lab equipment that can do that, but with a laptop or you know a, a typical capturing device, a WLAN Pi, um, you you can only you sort of can set it to follow a single client and capture its RUs uh, that are assigned to it, but you you can't see everything else. Now, what you can do though um, is look at the uh, management and control traffic that surrounds OFDMA. And um, you'll also can see the, uh, the preamble uh, for downlink OFDMA um, in Wireshark. You just get these um, just sort of uh, packetless preambles. <laughs> They're multi-user uh, um, where the multi-user bit is set and you can see what's going on there. And then in the uplink direction, you can look at those trigger frames, which it explain all the resource unit um, allocation and uh, the uh, you know other characteristics, the MCS and uh, target transmit power for the clients, so you know what clients are going to be scheduled. Uh, but it's 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 a big challenge to be able to actually capture that OFDMA traffic. So good question. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Anonymous asks. Will OFDMA only apply to an AX client connecting to an AX AP, or does it benefit AC clients as well? Good question, and, and no reason to be anonymous. Uh, there, there are no bad questions. It only applies to AX. Only 11AX clients and APs uh, can participate in OFDMA. It, it might benefit 11AC clients in that when it, when, you know, Airtime is reclaimed from increasing efficiency, then you know the the legacy clients uh, benefit from that, but they don't actually participate in OFDMA. Awesome. All right, we've got a couple more here. Oh, and I say that, and another rolls in. Awesome. Keep them coming. All right. So Rick is back again. He says our testing has not shown significant improvement over 11ac for four con concurrent sta all sending smaller frames wondering what others are seeing yeah that's that's interesting rick and i'd i'd love if you have a blog post or anything like that to share share because there's been a lot of tests like that that have shown um for instance throughput um isn't significantly well well actually has is actually sometimes goes down 
<laughs> when OFDMA is occurring um, and, uh, and wondering, you know, what's, what's going on. Uh, it's definitely something the scheduler has to take into account. It's not always the best choice. Four concurrent stations with smaller frames, you know, that's a, a situation where maybe channel width comes into play or maybe, you know, single user aggregated AMPDU works just fine and there's no reason uh, to do anything else. Mm -hmm. But one of the, you know, one of the things that, that OFDMA might still provide, even if it's not a throughput increase, a net throughput increase is that uh, if there's voice traffic, you know, it, it may allow uh, the, that traffic to be um, transmitted across the medium with less latency because uh, the scheduler can take that into account. Awesome. All right. Olivier, let's take your question. Um, have you changed your design approach in five gigahertz with the introduction of OFDMA and 802.11ax or do you still design for 802.11ac? Yeah, good question. I, I think um, I think no. I, I think you. I think that uh, you don't need to change your design approach in five gigahertz. I think you know you don't need to change the uh, uh, targets you need for you know cell edge RSSI. You still want to reduce CCI as as much as possible, and uh, you know like like we discussed in the legacy bands, there's still primarily single user traffic going on and very little OFDMA. So I would, you know, design with that in mind. Awesome. Awesome. Got a few more here. So Feng asks, is there a known test report that evaluated OFDMA throughput performance? Off the top of your head, Jim. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, can't quote something off the top of my head, but I, I would imagine there's some good IEEE uh, research papers out there that mm -hmm. that have that uh, spelled out. Yeah, maybe we'll we'll get back to you on that one. Do a little research. Um, Ray Montoya asked, "Can you explain the difference in frame aggregation methods?" Oh, um, yeah, AMSDU versus AMPDU. AMPDU is the, sort of the surviving frame aggregation method, um, and what it does is it takes. Um, it takes this um, the basically the whole frame, the data payload and the uh, MAC headers uh, for every frame, and it aggregates that. So every every frame within the AMPDU has its own MAC headers. AMSDU was uh, introduced in AMP 11N, and um, and we don't see it as much anymore um, because it aggregated all the uh, frames for a single, within a single set of Mac headers. Um, and so um, that meant that uh, you had to have the same, um, well, it, it meant that uh, you had to uh, retransmit the whole aggregated frame if, if any of those uh, were not received because the, um, the hashes and, and so forth were, uh, you know, across the whole frame, so. AMPDU is the is the common one you'll see out there now. Awesome. All right. And then 
We've got Jose in kind of, kind of in the chat and then also in the Q&A panel asking a little bit more. Um, so with OFDMA, will it be possible to increase maximum number of devices for AP? <sighs> That's a good question. Um, if in a pure 802.11ax environment, I think the answer is yes. Um, but uh, it'd be something that would be interesting to test. And also, um, of course, very much depends on the applications in use. Mm -hmm. But certainly networks like uh, very high density networks, stadiums and arenas that might have over 100 clients on, on an, a single AP radio um, are, are hoping that it will benefit them for sure. Awesome. All right, let's take one more. Um, and I'm not sure if I'm going to pronounce your first name right, so I apologize. Peru Kumar. Um, so it's a two-parter. So part one, can all RUs be scheduled to one 11AX client? Part two is for 2 by 2 80 megahertz client. When OFDM and OFDMA is used, the max T put input, maybe, I don't know what that means, um, will be the same? Question mark? Uh, yeah, I can, I'm reading it. Yeah, so the first question is, Yes, actually the answer is yes. You, you can schedule basically a single resource unit uh, for one client. And uh, why would you do that? Well, maybe you're, why would a scheduler do that? You know, one scenario would be you've got a pure 11AX BSS and all the clients have been scheduled. And um, so in, or, you know, in order to continue scheduling, and not have to wait for that client um, uh, to win channel access in the uplink direction when it has a big buffer it wants to empty. Um, and it's you know going to take a while for it to win channel access, or maybe it's even barred from winning channel access from those multi-user EDCAP parameters. Just schedule it to, to use the full channel if, if it's the only one that's got traffic to transmit. Um, in some cases, that makes sense. Yes, T put equals throughput. Yeah. So the other <laughs> I kind of figured that at like my brain added it up <laughs> after I had read T put. I was like, you kids and your your hip lingo. <laughs> yes. Uh so for for a client in that scenario, is there, you know, is the, will the max throughput be the same between OFDM and OFDMA? Yeah, I think it should be pretty comparable. I mean, we're we're still using all the subcarriers. I mean, there might be some differences in the AMPDU length and single user mode versus what can happen during OFDMA, but uh, I would imagine them to be pretty comparable. <laughs>